Jesus Bible and Current Events from a Christian Perspective, Battling Spiritual Wickedness in High Places, One Podcast at a Time. This is the High Places Podcast. Hello everyone, this is Jim. Uh, First off, Election 2020. I need like theme music for that or something, or at least a ominous echo or something. Um, so a lot of election stuff going on. Uh, the Democrats are at that, uh, fish fry thing in South Carolina. I hear South Carolina is a beautiful place. I'd like to go visit there actually. And if they have fish fries, yum. Uh, if someone's going to make me eat fish, uh, it has to be, uh, breaded, deep fried, and absolutely drowning in tartar sauce so that that way I don't taste the fish. I wonder if you can do like deep fried tartar sauce and then that would uh, cut out the middleman or the middle fish. Uh, anyway, Seth Moulton is a uh, representative congressman from Massachusetts. Did you know he was running for president? See, didn't we talk about this? Every Democrat is running for president. Have you even heard of this guy? I haven't even heard of this guy. He made a statement a couple of days ago about um, gun control. I guess he's a former Iraqi veteran, uh, Iraq war veteran. And um, so, you know, he was talking about debating whether or not handgun ownership should be allowed. Handguns. And it's funny because um, (laughs) uh, he said, uh, let's see, quote, in an ideal world, we would not have weapons of war on our streets. Handguns, weapons of war. Uh, not by any victorious armies. Uh, if you're going up against uh, people with machine guns and you've got a handgun, um, I can already tell you who's going to lose that fight. Uh, go back to World War I and look at the havoc that uh, machine guns reaped. Um, yeah, so that's uh, kind of interesting. But he, he said, uh, he, his quote went on, he said, uh, that's the bottom line. I'm someone who had to use guns every day in Iraq. I I walked around with an assault rifle and a handgun at the very least. So, you know, he's talking about, um, you know, assault rifles should, um, should not be allowed. Well, the kind of assault rifle he had in Iraq isn't allowed. Machine guns, you're not allowed to buy a machine gun. So this, we've talked about this before. Um, the, anti-gun Marxists who want to uh, disarm the population so that they can be easier, uh, more easily controlled, they're labeling everything as, a, as an assault rifle. So semi-automatic shotgun, a little twenty two uh, caliber, is, you know, a quote-unquote assault rifle. Um, but it's not an assault rifle because soldiers like this guy over in Iraq weren't using semi-automatic guns. They were using machine guns. They were using automatic weapons. Um, and so th- this guy, I, 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 you know, he's doing a good job of, uh, of following the narrative and making an equivalence between the machine gun that he carried, uh, as a soldier in Iraq and the, you know, semi-automatic 22 rifle that some kid uses for target practice or, you know, squir- uh, shooting rats or squirrels or something. Um, and so, uh, blurring that whole line, uh, again, to kind of give justification for, um, 
for disarming the public. But you can't go out and buy a machine gun. And as far as taking away handguns, again, um, these are not weapons of war. Um, so it's funny because when they were talking about, um, you know, taking away the semi-automatic weapons, uh, what does that leave you with? Like a bolt-action rifle and a handgun. And now they want to even take away the handguns. So it's step-by-step. Um, and they're going to disarm the public so that the only one with the weapons are the criminals uh, and the government. And so, <laughs> and uh, everybody else is stuck between the two. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, what else? This is kind of funny. So this whole uh, Biden thing about um, his working with segregationists when uh, he was uh, in Congress um, in the Senate. Uh, is, you know, people are making a big thing about this. But the funny thing is, they've been talking about this to show that Joe is willing to reach across the aisle and, you know, everybody's talking about Joe's, you know, bipartisanship and he's trying to show bipartisanship. The segregationists he was working with and that he's been talking about, and that they were Democrats. There, there wasn't any reaching across the aisle. There isn't bipartisanship. They were Democrats. It was uh, Senator Eastland of Mississippi, I believe, and Senator uh, Talmadge of Georgia. And so, but, but the media has been portraying these guys as Republicans. Now, I even saw uh, people referencing, uh, you know, this uh, situation as showing Joe's bipartisanship. It isn't bipartisanship, it's partisanship. They all belong to the same party. And even the Washington Post, they have a a free paper they put out called The Express. And they, um, where was this? They they put in there that they they even lately had a little infographic. And they had... um, they had uh, the party next to these guys. Um, where was it? Um, defending the former vice president's comments about bipartisanship and civility in working with late Senators James Eastland, R. Mississippi, and Herman Talmadge, R. Georgia. <laughs> They're Democrats. But see, that isn't the narrative. The narrative is that Republicans are racists. And so you don't want to talk about um, the um, Southern Democrats who were fighting um, against things like the Civil Rights Act um, and wouldn't let black kids go into white schools. They remember all that stuff in the 60s? Those were Democrats in the South. But again, that's not the narrative. So totalitarians, Marxists, they rewrite history. Um, and so here it is. And isn't this something? So something put out by the Washington Post um, so this is the death of investigative journalism because a 10 year old with a 30 second search on Google could have found this out. Um, so that's the level of journalism, um, that you see these days. And, um, it might not be ignorance. It would almost be better if it was or laziness. Um, unfortunately it, it, uh, more than likely is just this perpetuating, the appropriate narrative. And so facts, again, facts don't matter. Words don't matter. Um, it's just propaganda. So it's, 
terrifying. Anyway, so that's, uh, we'll see more and more stuff's coming. Don't, aren't the debates coming up like in a week or is, yeah, I have to find out when that is. I think it's this coming week. I don't think it's happened already. Yeah, let's see, 29th. Yeah, I think uh, next Friday and Saturday. So that'll be something. It'll be, I think you're going to start to see a lot of clearing of the field, uh, at that point. And Elizabeth Warren, she's just been rolling. And so moving, some polls have her, uh, ahead of Bernie Sanders, uh, like 10 points behind Biden. So, uh, and I think she's certainly, um, set up to just wipe the floor with the the rest of these people in these debates, but we'll see what happens. But I think that's probably going to start to thin the herd a little bit, uh, after these three, uh, three summer debates, I think going into the fall, cause then you don't have much time until, uh, the primary start, but, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. The issue is that, uh, except for a couple of issues and a couple of these people running everybody, they're all embracing all this like Marxist stuff. Even Biden, who's supposed to be like the moderate is, I, I mean, is there anything that, uh, he hasn't embraced from the, you know, more, uh, leftist, uh, part of his Marxist party. Um, it's just, it's so, yeah, it's all just kind of a scary thing. Um, but we'll see how it, uh, plays out. Speaking of political things, did you hear about this, uh, resolution in the California State Assembly? Um, <laughs> uh, this is kind of ominous. So it's a resolution. It's not a law, but it's like the legislative body saying, you know, this is what we think about this thing, which is usually the precursor to law. Um, it's, uh, you know, they float this stuff out of Remember, all this stuff is incremental. Um, but so what was this, uh, assembly concurrent resolution 99. And this talks about people use the term conversion therapy. Um, I don't know, um, how accurate that is. Um, but you know, if you want to, um, talk to somebody who, um, doesn't want to be a homosexual and they want help, you know, in some places like psychiatrists, I think in California, you can't, it's illegal. So as a grown adult, you can't go seek, uh, the kind of help you want. Um, if the state doesn't think you should be seeking that kind of help. Um, but this is interesting because this resolution, um, actually goes after, uh, religious people and pastors. Um, and so, uh, let me find the quote from this thing. Um, so the resolution, first of all, it says, uh, quote, uh, the legislators, uh, Sorry, the legislature, the legislators, uh, have, quote, found that being LGBT is not a disease, disorder, illness, deficiency, or shortcoming. End quote. Um, but they blame churches and faith-based counselors for an epidemic of suicide within the LGBT community. So first of all, that's weird because tell me please, how many LGBT people are going to church, uh, to, to be talked out of being gay <laughs> before they're committing suicide? Um, there's a lot of these, uh, gay people that are, um, tragically, uh, committing suicide, uh, without setting foot into a church, uh, and hearing the gospel of Jesus and the fact that he, uh, frees us from the bondage of 
all our sins of any sin, even ones that we think uh, we're born with. Um, but uh, um, the resolution, and here's the part of the resolution that talks about this directly. Uh, it says, uh, quote, Be it resolved that the legislature calls upon religious leaders with conviction to counsel on LGBT matters from a place of love, compassion, and knowledge of the psychological and other harms of conversion therapy, end quote. So, um, you can see what the target of this is. And so this is, this is the, where's the separation of church and state people? Where are they in all of this? Um, but the government's going to criminalize uh, what uh, religious people, what pastors can say to people in their church. Here it is. Um, so yeah, that's uh, scary enough. Anyway, uh, on to something else. Did you hear about this um, company? I think they're up in Canada. Carbon Engineering. They have they uh, do this thing. I think it's called direct carbon extraction where they just literally pull CO2 out of the air. This is all, you know, under the auspices of fixing the environment. We'll talk about that in a little bit, too. Um, but, I mean, it's backed by Bill Gates. Um, but here's it's, here, here's what's causing all the trouble. It's also being funded by three large oil companies. Um, and, yeah, so the environmentalists will go crazy about that. But basically what they do, they have these giant fans. They have, like, stacks of these things. And they pull in, just pull in air with CO2 in it. And then there's a chemical process where they basically filter it out. And then they can actually, they capture this CO2. They can capture it into a solid. Um, but then they can basically recycle it. They can use it. The, the petroleum companies are interested in this because it can be reused to extract more oil out of the ground. So it's a, it's a completely, recyclable system which i thought is what we wanted right i the environmentalists aren't they aren't they wanting um you know to recycle everything well now we can even recycle co2 but the environmentalists don't like this because the oil companies in fact there was a guy where did i put it here we go he's a professor from stanford university mark jacobson He's actually a professor of civil and environmental engineering. So you can see how the Marxists are creeping into the um, the real sciences. Uh, that's been an issue people have been talking about. But anyway, um, so his quote was, because um, he's against this, and he says, uh, quote, you're not stopping the fossil fuel industry. You're actually promoting it, end quote. Well, that's interesting. I didn't realize the goal was to stop the fossil fuel industry. I thought the problem with the fossil fuel industry was CO2. If there's a solution to the CO2 problem, why do you need to stop the fossil fuel industry? Unless CO2 and the environment and all that stuff isn't really your goal. Your real goal is just to stop the fossil fuel industry or any big successful capitalist industry. So maybe he um, revealed a bit too much in his statement. Um, but you look at, you know, like it or not, uh, fossil fuels still provide the cheapest and more most plentiful 
form of energy on this planet. Uh, you can't beat it for price. Uh, even when the price of gas goes up, uh, you look at what you get out of oil. In addition to fuel, you get plastics out of oil. Uh, you get things that are used for agriculture. Um, you get all this stuff, the whole petrochemical stack. Um, uh, and for the price, you can't beat it. And so, um, so this goes back to these Marxists just, you know, why, why do the lefties who, um, uh, why did, why do they attack these big tech companies? Um, not to say that these tech companies are angels, but I'm just an observation of the irony going on here because these tech companies embrace just about every leftist Marxist thing you can think of, particularly on the social side, the LGBT stuff, the environmental stuff, a lot of them, the abortion stuff. Um, and so, I mean, it, it's a perfect match. Well, except if you're a Marxist and you don't want big companies, you don't want companies. Uh, you want everybody working for the government. So you have this weird paradox where these lefty companies are being attacked by the left. Um, and so it, it, it comes down to, you know, what's the motivation for all this other stuff. This is just, this goes back to the uh, podcast we did on the naked communist. And it's just, it's just Marxism. And it just, it uh, sneaks around under the guise of all these other things. Uh, environmentalism and, and, and all that. Um, uh, but really it's just to kind of destroy these, uh, these businesses and this economy. Um, and capitalism again, does it have its flaws? Yeah. Is the way it's practiced in the United States problematic? Yeah, because it's not real capitalism. Uh, the government doesn't bail companies out in real capitalism. Uh, in real capitalism, you have creative destruction, um, where companies go out of business if they do dumb things and then their assets, uh, wind up being, uh, redistributed, uh, just through market forces, um, into smaller up and coming, more nimble companies. Uh, they take their customers, their assets, their, uh, intellectual property, things that have to be sold off when these big, uh, companies go bankrupt. Um, and so that's real capitalism. We don't practice that too much. Um, but, uh, the Marxists are against any form of capitalism, but you look at what capitalism has done in the world and it's pulled so many people out of poverty. Um, and why do you think like all these developing countries, they sign on to these environmental, uh, agreements, these international agreements, but they don't try to, they don't even try to meet the targets. Because what do they say? They're like, hey, you know what? Let us industrialize first and get to the level where you are, and then we'll go ahead and do these things. But at least let us catch up to you. You got all the advantage, uh, you folks in the West, of industrialization. And so let us do it too. So everybody knows that this is the way you improve the quality of the lives of your people. And this is interesting because, so this whole environmental thing is very anti-God anyway. Um, because first of all, um, it's assuming that, um, people are going to destroy the earth. Well, guess what? People aren't going to destroy the earth. God is going to destroy the earth. When he comes back to judge, he's going to be the one that, uh, wipes, uh, all this stuff out. Um, in fact, I think it's in, uh, it's first or second Peter where, you know, God says this world has been reserved for judgment. So God's keeping this around. Uh, is keeping this world around 
and it will be judged, but God's going to be the one that does it. We're not going to beat him to it. So, yeah. So there's an interesting verse in Genesis. Let me see what chapter I'm in here. Genesis chapter 1, um, verse 20, we'll start in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And here we go in verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And he goes on to talk about, you know, the trees and the plants, they're for food, um, and this is, uh, this is how you live. Um, this is how you exist. But God uh, put people uh, in dominion over the earth to subdue it, to multiply, to be fruitful. And so um, this whole idea that, and so who knows, maybe this is what got the devil really mad because there are parts of the Bible that suggest that the devil was um, had a, a degree of control over the earth, over the created world. And even the Bible talks about the devil being the prince of the power of the air. Um, but, uh, and so maybe the devil didn't like uh, sharing some of that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't claim to know. But uh, one can start to wonder. But God, uh, obviously here, right in the very first chapter of the Bible, uh, talked uh, about uh, man subduing the earth being fruitful and multiplying. And so, of course, the devil is anti-God and anti-everything God sets up. He's anti-family, as we talked about uh, last time. Um, he's definitely anti-life. Why do you think um, there's such, this, such a huge push for abortion, um, assisted suicide, um, doing things to uh, undermine man's ability to subdue the earth. I, I mean, we all like uh, going out into nature and looking at these beautiful things. You go out to the into the mountains or uh, even the desert, and I mean, there's, it's just it's gorgeous to see what God's created. But you know what? You wouldn't want to be stuck out there for any length of time with any of the modern things that people have created to subdue the earth, shelter water, clean water, um, air conditioning, if you're in the desert, um, ways to defend yourself against wild animals. I mean, all this stuff. Look at the places in the world where people are more exposed uh, to the elements and they don't have some of these modern conveniences. You have famine because they can't grow enough food. You have water that's filthy that people have to drink and they get sick and there's diseases that uh, that ravage entire populations. And the issue is that they haven't, for one reason or another, been able to subdue the earth. So is it any wonder that um, the devil's children uh, want us to not subdue the earth? We uh, the, They want us to be in subjection to the earth. Again, the exact opposite of what God wants. 
And so more people starving, more people dying of disease, um, shorter lifespans because they're living in harsh, impoverished situations. Uh, and for the ones who, uh, like folks in the West who have all these um, modern uh, abilities, conveniences, technologies, well, the devil just, he'll kill them with abortion and assisted suicide and depression and drug use. And I look at all the people that are dying from drug overdoses now. And yet, um, this country promotes drug use. Look at like marijuana use. I was reading something uh, yesterday or today, I think, that teen uh, use of marijuana has increased like tenfold in the last decade or something. Tenfold. As we've been more and more moving to, you know, first it was medical marijuana and then it was just recreational marijuana. So it's always step by step. It's always incremental. And what happens? More people using these things, abusing their bodies, dying. The devil is just anti-life. And so it shouldn't be surprising that his children are anti-life. Look at the environmentalists talking about overpopulation. That's exactly the opposite of what God says here in Genesis. God says, be fruitful and multiply. And these environmental Marxists say, no, 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 we have too many people. And so that's why you have depopulation in, in the Western world, in the United States, and much worse in Europe, where people aren't having enough kids to sustain the population. Again, it's the exact opposite of what God's plan is, because the devil is always in opposition to everything that God does. But I was struck by um, something um, that happened um, yesterday, and I got a chance to talk to some people. And um, in an environment that is not, um, that does not embrace God by any stretch. And I was struck by, uh, even in an environment like that, um, God does so much to save people. He's do, he's giving people so many chances. Um, he makes his word available. Uh, I talked to somebody uh, yesterday who said, you know, he's been looking for a Bible for like two or three days and just hasn't been able to get one. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, a Bible was made available to him. I it just, it's stuff like that. I, I see that a lot, actually. And so um, if people, if people are seeking God truly, um, he'll make himself known to them. Jesus said he'll reveal himself to people. I even talked to a uh, lady, um, and this is uh, Pride Month in the Western world. Uh, she was a uh, lesbian who said she was married to another woman. Um, but uh, she was interested in a Bible and uh, interested in the things of God. And so um, I had the opportunity to speak with her and um, just told her the truth about what the Bible says. And we talked very directly and very bluntly uh, about her favorite sin. Because uh, people seem to have favorite sins on top of all the other sins uh, that they indulge in. Uh, things that they're particularly predisposed to, uh, that the devil particularly uses to keep people trapped in sin. And we talked about that, about how uh, the devil uses these things. 
and tries to convince us that uh, we can't uh, we can't have a life worth living without these sins. And he'll uh, he'll offer fake salvation, uh, people who call themselves Christians and yet tell people that their sin is okay. Right, because uh, even the devil masquerades as an angel of light, so it's no surprise that his children do the same. So there are plenty of people out there that'll. Uh, help the devil keep people in the bondage of sin. But we had a very uh, frank, very pleasant conversation. Um, but we talked about, uh, you know, um, you're, you're real close to the kingdom of God. You know, it's good that you're interested in a Bible and you want to learn these things. But um, if you die in your sins, uh, I, I think it's Hebrews chapter 10 that talks about people who continue in willful sin. Um, there's a fierceness of fire. And so, um, what a horrible experience hell would be like if you were so close to heaven and still wound up in hell, um, because you just love those favorite sins more. And that was a, it was a wonderful conversation. There was no animosity. Um, it was completely civil. Uh, and it was just, we just talked about what the Bible says and about the grace of God and God's forgiveness and that he doesn't just forgive us. He frees us from the bondage of our sin. And it, it, it was so well received. Uh, it's just amazing the power of God. And this all comes from God. God will use different uh, people and different means to get a message across. But uh, to be clear, um, uh, all glory to God alone, uh, because it's the Holy Spirit that works on people's hearts, and He's obviously been working on this lady's heart. And I pray that that uh, God saves her. But what an opportunity! What an opportunity He gave her to have His Word in her hands and to talk about the grace of God that forgives and frees. And so with all these anti-God things, with the devil and his children trying at every turn to undermine everything that God has done and is doing, God still reaches out to the children of the devil and offers them salvation, offers them forgiveness and freedom from the bondage of their sin. They can be forgiven and not trapped in it anymore in this life. And then grace and an eternity with him in the next, forever. Um, I, I, I've just been struck by the graciousness and the love of our God. That he bothers with any of us. I'm, I'm struck by the fact that he bothered saving me. Because I was one of the worst of the worst. And you read things in the Bible and it's like, yep, that person's going to be right in the front of the line uh, going to hell. And God was nice enough to pluck me out of the front of the line. It's just, um, we should always um, be grateful and reflect on the greatness and the graciousness of our God. What mercy. That's going to do it for this time. God bless everyone. Praise God. Thank him for what he's done. And thank him for what he continues to do, not just for us, but the love he shows people 
through the opportunities he gives them to know his son Jesus as their savior and rescue them from that path to hell they're on. What a gracious and loving God. Amen. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you.